You are listening to the Boker Bulletin, a Boker Broadcast special report. Gonzo has gathered some of the best convention organizers around as Steve Rabideau and I ask the tough questions, get the tough answers, and ignore the hard truths. And welcome to the Boker Bolton, a Boker Broadcast special report. I'm your host, Seth Cohen, and with me, as always, is... Stephen Rabideau. All right, Steve, good to see you, as always, my friend. And we have with... Who are all of these people? Who are these I people, have no Steve? idea. I have no idea, Seth. They just showed up. All right, well, I, I put a passcode really on the I don't know how they got in. I don't know was the password out. password, Seth? Uh, with yeah. Seth, it was probably one, two, three, four. Oh, or maybe Seth is great, or you're wrong. <laughs> I said War Machine, not Old Dressy Off. All right. So, uh, folks, start start us out here. Who are you, and and, uh, and and what do you do in the War Machine community? Um, hey, guys, I'm Gonzo. I am the president and event organizer for War Weekend uh, that hosts the Iron Gauntlet and numerous other War Machine events at the convention. All right. Well, thank you for coming. Next. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Erica. I'm a co-host and video editor for Tried and True, Delaware War Machine. I'm a local event organizer. I'm a co-TO for the Susquehanna Scuffle out of Philadelphia. And I am the lead TO for all War Machine events at the Nova Open. All right. Hey, I forgot to, to check this out ahead of time. How sweary do we want to be tonight? Are we okay with the, the swearing? I'm okay. I'm in the okay. army, so. All right. God damn it, Erica. <laughs> I'm in construction, so. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, next, who do we got? Uh, you're stuck with me. So, what's up, everyone? Uh, this is Zeke, one third of the craziness behind the Minority Report podcast. Uh, doing all cool stuff for War Machine. I'm also a TO judge for the Michigan GT. Also for Warfare Weekend, along with Gonzo, having some fun. So. Uh, What's up? All right. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you for not mentioning me in that last Warfare Weekend thing, but it's okay. Good. No, we're okay. Next. Uh, my name's Tyson. Uh, I do all the War Machine organizing for uh, Las Vegas Open and also the MCP and the MCP um, Global Invitational, too, um, is I run all that stuff. And I've been running, gosh, War Machine for 14 years at LVO, something like that. I think that's what we're up to now. That is remarkably impressive, sir. This isn't a remarkably impressive group, quite honestly. Uh, and we have a lot of knowledge here in the room. And what we thought we would do tonight is get everyone together and talk about, you know, what does it really take to run a big event? Uh, you know, what are our expectations for the players? What the players should expect from us? And, and what it takes. And, you know, I think the first question I want to throw out there to everyone is, um, when is it time to grow your event? You know, you're, you're organizing, you get, you know, regularly 15, 20 people to an event, or even if you get 10 or 15 people regularly to an event, you're like, you know what? I want to do something bigger, better. When is it time to grow? What do you think? Jump on in. There's no order of speaking. Well, when you can't fit everyone into your basement and you want to throw them out. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's time to grow. Um, it's, it's time to grow. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll, I'll start, um, though I'm not, don't have very salient um, information on that part because I just go to uh, Papa Reese and say, hey, I want this. Uh, but uh, for a convention um, as an organizer, which a lot of people will be kind of a sub organizer of, someone's going to own the convention, they're going to be running it, and you're going to be like a judge or something there running things. 
is um, being organized and um, we'll go more into it here, but uh, just the train and showing up and having everything prepared so you have a successful event and it's, you're not leaning on the, um, the overall convention itself. Um, so being self-contained helps a lot. And so the biggest thing to step up from a small, say 15 to 50, is um, on a local TO is probably mostly the terrain, getting all your mats, uh, getting all your train. 3D printers help a shit ton now oh, yeah. um back in the day back in my day we used to have to make everything by hand um and now it's printers go burr and i have a whole tournament <laughs> of um, <laughs> terrain ready to go um, all right and so, go ahead. i was just gonna say so so uh you gonzo you know you guys uh 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 you've got these 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 eos these guys who, who own the big event you're going there to to run the big thing uh gonzo you're president of the big thing uh, has anyone in the room had any experience with we build it and we hope they show up? Oh god. Oh god. We yeah. build it all the time. It, it's every single time we put an event out. We we go, we hope people show up because uh going with what Tyson and Zeke was saying, um you've got to allocate space, you allocate materials. Uh something else that was mentioned, chess clocks. Um, how many more chess clocks do you need? How many more tables do you need? Um, and so that's the reason why it's like really important for us to talk about making sure that we put, you know, you sign up early because there are a ton, especially with everything going to 3D um, and you're needing about what, 10 to 14 pieces of terrain per table now. Um, you're, you're, my 3D printer runs pretty much 24 seven now uh, building terrain. And so when someone says, hey, we got 65 people coming woo, and then 10 people show up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, ha so, I had that happen for Warcaster, unfortunately, like two years ago. Yeah. Like 20 people actually bought tickets and then one person showed up. And oh, I'd like made all this terrain for like, you know, 10 tables and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people were planning as a backup and they were, um, at least it was described to me, and they were, uh, you know, in finals for other events at LBO. And, uh, but yeah, still, <laughs> that is a thing. Yeah. Um, let me know that. So when it comes to growing, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, things you need as a TO, but when it comes to growing an event, one of the biggest things I learned um, back when I, when I started back in Mark 1, my local community, and I kind of, you know, stepped into things on my own, you know, our current TO person you know, left on not good ground. So I kind of took over to help grow things. Um, when you have a community that's very energetic about playing the game, that want to do more than just what's kind of in your own hobby store and then want to kind of communicate with other stores, kind of grow things, make things happen. Um, one, if you are going to be that front runner to take things, you know, to that next level, one, you need to find, you know, the group that's going to be your core group. That's definitely going to attend. You know, we talk about, you know, you'll have 30 people sign up, but you know, 10 people attend. And you know what, if you know those 10 people are going to attend, that's fantastic. You know, those are the people you at the core plan for, then plan for like an extra X amount more. But the biggest thing to know is that you have players who have a drive and want to do more in your game, and they're going to take it to the next level that, that you're looking for, you know, outside of just the, the few little bit that you have locally. Um, but reaching out and communication is huge. Um, reaching out to whoever you can, store-wise owners, um, your players, wherever they're at. Um, even for me, because I run things here in Michigan, but I also reached out to the guys in Ohio, Indiana, um, Illinois, you know, figure out where my other players are and getting them together 
um, which allows for you know your game to grow from that point. Yeah, that's good advice. You know, uh, if, if anyone's not familiar, the um, Captain Con uh, had originally uh, I think sixteen spaces uh, on Friday in the regular steamroller, and sixteen spaces and then limited, and that was going to be it for for the whole weekend. Like they just thirty two players who weren't even in the main ballroom, and then uh, you know. Someone reached out and said, hey, do you think they would change that? And I said, you know, let me find out. And they said that they would if, if certain people started signing up. And uh, I started reaching out, right? I started where, where, where those communities are. Hey, I've been told I can make this thing bigger if people sign up. And then people started signing up. And now we're up to 64 in the uh, on the Friday event. And I think I'm, uh, I'm going to end up being probably uh, 10 to 12 in the unlimited event. And then, uh, you know, obviously those people hopefully are all playing in the team event the next day, right? And then they, they qualify for a Masters on uh, on Sunday. But yeah, that was a, that was a you know, hey, they're going to make the spaces. Will you show up? And I, I think I did exactly what Zeke just described, right? Because you reached out to your four players in your different areas saying, hey, if you're thinking about it, you got to move because we're not going to have these, these spots if you don't sign up. You're not going to show up the weekend of. And get into an event because we're not going to have any space. We're going to have to be moved to a smaller room. Yep. Yeah, communication yeah. is huge um, and early. Um, as you know, we all know. Like, um, it, well, this first part comes on us. So you know, if we know we have an event that's happening in April, um, April, um, and on, you know, reaching out now. You know, don't wait two months, one month before. You know, reach out six months before to get people talking to to reach out to them. So people can make, you know, plans ahead of time because, you know, we're still adults. You know, we have work, we have kids, you know, we make time, plans and everything else. Um, so giving people ample time to plan this out is, is also very important for this. Yeah. 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 It's also um, very important to people or for people to make sure they sign up early enough for TO so they can make sure that they have enough room. Because going back to what you were saying, Seth, that if people didn't sign up, they wouldn't increase the room. They wouldn't increase the space. And if you don't sign up enough and get all those people in there, they're going to take those seats and tables away uh, for other events that do sell out. So that's very key going back with what Zeke says, pushing it early and buying early. So, you know, because if there's a wait list and there's 20 people waiting, they're going to open up more people. If there's one or two, they may not open up more tables, but if definitely if you got like 20 people in the wing, they're going to open up more tables and like shrink some other ones that aren't selling out. Hey Erica, uh, let's if, ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nova, right? That was that was not originally uh, something that you guys were running, right? Nova was being run by uh, by other folks, and uh, mm -hmm. and then at uh, uh, some point, you guys decided to take it over, right? And it was it was a very similar kind of thing where uh, you know uh, they barely had any players to start an event, and then you guys took over, and you you, you know you built it, and they showed up. Can you talk about that process? <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, I guess to kind of bring it back even before uh, hosting such a mammoth of a project, right? So whether we're talking about a convention or even just uh, a steamroller, right? Like a local steamroller. I like to hit on four big points when I go into planning. So first is I want to know my audience and have an overall goal or vision. Uh, second, I need to acknowledge the limitations and capabilities of my team because it's not a, a solo effort. Uh, huge community involvement. Uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, we've reached out to our, uh, you know, sister states or system or sister metas for assistance to really help get us uh, 
you know, the ball rolling. And then uh, the fourth thing, which was big, is feedback after an event. So prior to Nova, our largest event was the Susquehanna Scuffle, the very first one we did along with Maryland War Machine. I'm huge on we call them military after action reviews because you learn so, so much. Uh, Google survey, Google, yeah, Google survey is a great tool. So whenever we uh, host a large event, we advertise that we push that out because we, we read everybody's feedback. And at the end of the day, I think we want to uh, make this project better, right? It's a labor of love. Um, we're passionate about the game. We like to share that with the community at large, but getting that feedback is so, so critical. Uh, so we know how to make it better. Um, yeah, so going really into, important. yeah, uh, going into Nova, that was really big. So all the feedback that we got from our previous steamrollers and uh, the Susquehanna scuffle really helped us, um, you know, be able to kind of make a benchmark. It was also a weird year. It was the first year of Mark IV's launch, and it was the first year our community hosted these events at Nova. Um, so really a celebration of this new edition of the game and a celebration of, uh, you know, our community being able to to come together and and pull something like this off. Um, but yeah, there was a lot that went into it even before the uh, going to the convention. Just to, to build on that whole feedback form, Steve, do you remember when we started the brawl? We uh, we, we had we had feedback forms. And then I feel like at some point the, the attendees were like. We've told you everything that, that they want to tell you. If we got anything else, we're just going to walk up and tell you. Am I remembering that correctly? Or yeah, yeah, we did. We did feedback for I think three or four years, and then eventually we just stopped having forms to fill out and yeah, just like ask people what they were thinking. Um, especially because our feedback, a lot of it was based around just like the building blocks of what the Boca Brawl like is now, like the foundational stuff, and then. Things like big things like dates, like when we when we polled about moving to the spring and things like that, like we we had asked that several times um, as part of a, a form. But um, yeah, after after a while, you you get a feel for it, and yeah, but it's it's very important early on to get as much feedback as you can. Yeah, we were definitely uh, uh, if you build it, please 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 pray they come. Uh, there there mm -hmm. wasn't. Like no one was 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 uh, knocking down the door and saying, "Seth, we got to organize some kind of event in New Jersey." Like that that wasn't that wasn't what was happening. Uh, if I remember correctly, and Steve, you got to jump in if I'm remembering this not remembering this right. We used to have the Mid Atlantic Team Tournament, and there was some kind of and it was a big event, and it was some there was some kind of kerfuffle over who owned the rights to the event and who had the right to put it on. And then someone was going to do it, and then they, they they dropped, and it was one of these things where you felt like if we didn't do something, um, we were going to lose a lot of uh, a lot of players, right? We're so so there were I think there were two semi local events. One was very local; it was the East Coast Rumble, right? Um, and yeah, the ECR, and that that went under when the original showrunner left. And then there was issues, you know, semi outside of the new showrunner's control where like the, the venue changed ownership and just a lot of things fell through the cracks. Um, so that that kind of thing can happen. And then from what I recall with the with the Mid-Atlantic, um, it had it had an issue where uh, the people that won it would host it. So if you if somebody wins it and they're good at they're, they're so good at War Machine 
and they're not good at organizing, yeah. then you end up in this kind of situation where, you know, it just kind of gets lost. It yeah. just sort of stops happening. Yeah. And I think our approach was, well, we don't want to recreate the mat. We don't want to like recreate the Midland team tournament. We wanted to create something different. Right. And that that's, that's what brought us uh, to the Boca Brawl. Mm-hmm. Um, which, uh, you know, brings me to the next. So the, the big difference between what we do now, what we did then, one of the first problems we ran up against, we kind of touched on it a little, Tyson touched on it a little bit at the beginning. Um, you have to have, when, you, when you're planning an event, do you have toppers? Do you have things to, for people to play on? Do you have mats? Do you have terrain? Do you have, like, do you have clocks, right? Gonzo mentioned clocks. And, well, there's... And there's stuff that'll sneak up on you because yeah. something a lot of people don't think about is like you go to these venues and say, oh, we have tables. We'll put them out for you. And the tables are never level. Oh. <laughs> there's a there's mm-hmm. usually a horrible seam in the middle because all these venues have 18 inch or 24 inch deep tables for meeting conferences. And no one uses 48 you know inch deep tables for anything except us. And right. so they end up mm-hmm. slamming a bunch of tables together. And so do you bring... Um, you know, like wood toppers, do you bring like the expanded um, like signboard toppers, which are very light and nice, but expensive, um, you know, and all this other little things um, think about that, play, that players care about. Um, yeah. You know, that's a big thing is we, at least personally, I view these events as a service to the players. And whereas, you know, we we're talking about with the feedback forms and Nova, it's like, how do we make this better for you? Um, you know, I'm just not here to be, I, you know, I like these events because it, um, being a part of the community and organizing things and putting on things for people to enjoy, but, you know, it's a service and I want you to enjoy it. So how can we make you enjoy it easier, have more fun without being an undue burden on the event itself um, is always kind of the balance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. The first year we ran the Boker Brawl, it was a three person team event one day only in a moose lodge three blocks from my house in Flemington. And um, I had to, to, to borrow tables because they didn't have enough at the lodge uh, to fit all the people that were coming. And uh, I borrowed clocks. I borrowed mats. I borrowed all sorts of things. And I said that the hardest part of the weekend was getting everything back to the people who lent it to me. And then talk about the things that are unexpected. Folks, if you're thinking about organizing something and you're going to borrow stuff, Make sure the people who are lending it to you are willing to stay until the event is over. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because we, we had a situation where someone was like, hey, man, I got to go. And they're playing on my mat. Dude, they're in the middle of a game. I will ship you the mat. Like, you, yep. what do you want me to do? And then someone actually walked off with one of my 4 by 4 tables. To this day, I still don't know who. I had a 4 by 4 coffee table, folding table. Someone walked off with it. I've never seen it again. So. Um, I, I, so at that point, we committed to uh, not needing to borrow anything from anyone or anything. We were gonna, we were gonna have everything there. Um, but that's something that, that you got to think about if you're organizing. Everything that a player is going to put their 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 stuff down upon. Um, I always joke that. Uh, uh, so for those who don't know, I'm in public education, and although I'm an administrator now, I started my career student teaching in a kindergarten class. And if you're going to teach kindergarten, you have to plan the space where uh, five-year-olds are running around. And you have to anticipate everything that a five-year-old is going to do in a space 
to remove any uh, risk of injury or misuse of, of equipment, etc. And it's a very similar thought process to setting up a convention hall <laughs> for a gaming space for gamers. Uh, yep. Because you have to, where are they going to put their bags? Where are they, you know, everything, you know, where, is there a bathroom for them to use? Um, you know, all these kinds of things. Um, all right. So I think we talked about materials enough here. Let's, uh, let's move on down to, uh, so there's a, I'm very interested in everyone's point of view on this. There's a lot of discussion right now on the interwebs about um, formats and pairings and scoring and tiebreakers and, and all these kinds of things. Um, what is there, is there a standard format for a convention size event or a larger size event or what, what's everyone's opinion on this? Somebody jump in other than me. Yeah, um, steamroller it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 different everywhere um so like if you go on like the west coast versus the east coast like things are completely different um on how someone may manage something um come central it's one way well, it, everyone's a little different while a core may be the same or you know them doing their thing um where some people like you know we we believe in lunch breaks some like we don't believe in lunch breaks you play all day like we did back in the old days um wow. no breaks um, Fuck that. You know, oh, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> no. Hey, playing look, playing seven games from beginning to end, and that's what you did. And you hope that this, this was back in the day where you had to bring an assassination list to either win by turn two, so you had enough time to go get food, or you lost one or the other. Um, <laughs> yeah, those days, guys. Um, yeah. No. go ahead and finish. I'll jump in after you. Okay. Um, but no, it's I don't think there is one one universal way um because i think some people play it to their local group and then everyone who comes outside of the area kind of just falls and falls in line with it in in my opinion um but i think anyone who does have a way of doing it should put that information out ahead of time as part of your event so everyone knows what's going on and that way they don't walk into oh wait i'm not getting a food break um that's a problem because you know i have you know this health issue and stuff like that Communicating that, again, this is one of the things of putting out the information as soon as possible so people know what's going on. That's that's what you need to do. Um, and I think there's, and that's all very good, and I think there's also a, a difference between uh, larger con scale events and um, larger single event events and such as like we're doing, sure. you know, a steamroller that it's only we're playing this one event over two days or, you know, we have a con event. So at con events, I always recommend or like having a multi uh, where you have a bunch of casual events, um, you know, where people can goof off narrative events, um, scrambles, team tournaments, that kind of stuff. And then still having a hard quote unquote hardcore event where it's, you know, some steamrollers um, that lead up into a finals, uh, but also going, not going all day um, has definitely been something we've changed and well, it's been five years or so, but where, you know, the last event doesn't run till midnight, like we're done by eight and nothing's longer than four rounds if we can help it. Uh, cons, it's harder to like have a break in the middle of the day with a war machine. Like you go two rounds break and actually getting everyone back. Like there's always people <laughs> missing. Like, so I try, <laughs> like there's always people missing. Um, so I try not to do breaks, but also try try not to go over four rounds yeah uh, like, seems to help a lot i'm the same way i don't do breaks because of that reason not because i don't yeah. believe in breaks it's because no. getting corralling kids back into the room with to be on it's a, time it's a logistical nightmare 
and like and, and they get mad when I start the clock and they're not there. They're like, well, I was coming. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm starting. When I tell you be here at three o'clock, I mean be here at three o'clock. Yeah. This round started 15 minutes ago. And like your opponent, now the opponent's like, ah, uh, and you can't like redo pairings and drop them. Yeah. You're like, oh, and like you're in an undefeated bracket. Like, congratulations on your win. Or like, it's just, it's just messy. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, when it comes to like bigger events like LVO and Nova and, you know, Michigan GT and Warfare Weekend, you're on a timeline. Boca yeah. Brawl. I mean, yeah. you, you've got you. You're on a timeline. You have to get out at a certain time. You have to get things done at a certain time. And in some conventions, the space that you're in is only temporarily yours. On some conventions, uh, I know at Adepticon, not all the space is theirs for the entire weekend. It's only theirs for five hours, and you have to get done in five hours. Right. Um, and so you've got to make sure it runs along because. If you're late at a convention or you're taking up more space, you can get charged more hours for being there or, you know, fees for going over your time limit of what your contracted amount is. So you got to be real careful when you say, hey, we're we start back at 1230. If you're not back at 1230, you start the clock because you have to get things done. One, so people can sleep and two, so it doesn't cost the TOs more money or anywhere for that fact. Yep. Well, and also valuing the player's time, because especially at like a lot of these larger events, people go to hang out with their friends. And if we say, you know, we're starting at this time and we're going to be done at this time, I need to be done at this time and not an hour and a half later because I was dawdling and like instead of round turnovers, five minutes, they were 15 minutes and it all adds up. And all of a sudden your eight o'clock, you know, lunch dinner date with a whole bunch of people is now, you know, nine o'clock and everyone says, forget it. Like we're leaving. <laughs> Like yeah. we're, we're going to four Oh drop this event and we're going to go hang out with our friends because I care about that more than this. You know, so being on time is really important. It is important. Yep. Uh, I, Erica, what did you, uh, what did you guys do sussy scuff to, to keep everybody from, you know, taking a walk or a drive down to, to get a cheesesteak or wherever to, cause the sussy scuff happens in a, in a battle bunker that's attached to an office that's in a, in a professional park. Right. So yes. Uh, so what did you do to keep everybody there? Um, so this kind of goes back to uh, managing or acknowledging your limitations and knowing the capabilities of your venue and your team. So, yes, of course, player experience is uh, definitely forefront um, and also your team. So you I'm big on, yes, valuing people's time is very important, uh, but also not burning out the people that that are helping you. Um, so for Sussy Scuff, we ended up doubling it our second year from our first year. So first year we were at 18, we uh, plus it up to 36, four round max. Um, part of that was staging everything early. So talking with the venue and coordinating with them so we could set up our tables, um, registration, everything. So we were good to go on Saturday. At max, it was going to be a four round event. I am not one that is going to play more than four games max of War Machine a day. I just... Frank yeah. can't handle it. I don't blame that is a young man's game. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like to get people out that travel. So that's a huge consideration. So I'm gonna uh pivot to Nova here for a second. Um, we start our events an hour earlier on Sunday, typically from the rest of the weekend at Nova, because we have players that have flights that they're trying to catch. Uh DC traffic can be absolutely atrocious. So that was a goal for me and my team was to make sure that everything was done by 2 p.m. on Sunday. Um so with time and round timer, really having uh, 
like that team there being able to delegate uh my husband andy shout out to him he's right behind me right now but um uh he's (laughs) Uh, he and I work really great together. I'm able to lean on him for things like uh, getting information out, coordinating lunch. Um, we're able to delegate roles so I can focus on what I need to focus on to make sure everything's running off without a hitch. Um, pivot back if there's any issues, I can help resolve them. And that way, uh, I have a really strong team member that can you know, keep steering the ship, so to speak, uh, to make sure that we're hitting our itineraries, and our timelines. Yeah, I think that's really important. I was... Uh... I was judging an event once, and it was, I think, a five-round day. Maybe it was a four-round day. Not important. Uh, you know, started I'm setting up tables at 7 o'clock in the morning. Round one start, you know, check-ins at 8.30. Round one starting at 9. And then somewhere around 3 in the afternoon, eight people walk into the room and say, okay, where are we setting up our, our, our tournament? What are you talking about? Well, apparently, these people had gone to the event organizers and said, oh, we don't want to do what this event is that you planned. We'd rather do, uh, and they had pitched a different format, and the EO just assumed that I would, I could just judge that along with everything else, not thinking that if you start an event at three in the afternoon and it's got to be a minimum of three rounds, I'm not getting out of there until ten o'clock at night, and I've been working since seven in the morning, right? So that's um, way past your bedtime. Oh, tell me about it. Right. Um, <laughs> That was a rough day. That was a really rough day. Yeah. So, so, so I have a question for you, for all of you. So, um, I know when I first started running my events, um, I would usually get to um, a store. Like I always talk to a store about getting there like a half an hour early to set up. And then I realized a half an hour is enough time. I need to get there an hour early, get all my tables set, everything ready. Because essentially when players get there and I tell people to get there and ready to go, I want to, you know, get done, um, you know, get them ready to fire it off. Sometimes I'll even get there the night before, see if I can set up the night before and do it that way. So again, I'm not trying to rush first thing in the morning and it gives me more time to like make sure I have everything. Um, on your guys' perspective, what you guys prefer to do? You guys like getting things the day before or like the morning of? I think it depends on the event and the size. Um, so like for the Santa, the Secret Santa Steamroller we just had, Andy and I, we had a little bit of a hiccup in the morning with traffic, but typically when we run an event at that venue, we had, I think, 19 players show. Uh, we like to get an hour early. Now, some of the stuff's going to scuffle. My little butt's going to be at the Battle Bunker in Philly setting up what I can the, the day before. Um, I will say that your players are definitely, your attendees are going to pick up if you are an organized TO or not. Uh, they will pick up on that really quick. And what I've found in the events that I've run is when they see that I've invested the time, the energy, like I really care, I get that back as well. Um, so those guys respect when the events start, uh, when we do our lunch breaks, when they come back. I really haven't had um, an issue in the past two and a half years of been running events. Um, so shout out to you guys. Thank you. <laughs> so slight tangent on organization. Uh, so in the last few years, you know, we've changed. At least I've changed parents where I've been using long shanks and liking a lot. I love uh, long for, shanks. Uh, for, you know, organized pairing, um, push information to players, being able to have them check in. Um, I still feel like, you know, they should put their lists, you know, in the notes. But I think that's a little hard for players. So still having paper lists for people at the tables, I think is helpful um for your opponent to be able to digest your two lists side by side and not having to try to scroll back and forth but how do you guys feel about that or um 
I'm a I'm on a large convention. It, it, I like them to have their list written, but put it in long shanks so everybody can see it. That way, I can hand it to my person anyway. Um, now, if it's a small event where it's like ten or fifteen people, I'm not going to do long shakes. I'm going to do the old school way, you know, just by hand. But if it's like a large convention, I can see the long shanks and just make sure you bring a copy. That way, you can show your opponent because not everybody has great reception to use stuff yes. in certain conventions. We do, we do both as well. Um, the reason is, let's say long shanks is down or you have that connectivity issue. That paper is always a backup, but we always request that our players log in their information. So long shanks is the system of record. The pack of the paper is the backup. Yeah, hundred percent. Like you know, people who aren't local can peek at long chains, but you who you are face to face with have a sheet of paper for them. And I, and I think having long shanks also helps a lot with long term community engagement uh, yes. because they can look like, hey, you know what 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 were the lists? What was everyone playing at this event? And back in the days where we had to go to like discount games and we had looked at Jay's lists as he collected all the paper <laughs> lists from everyone and then typed them all out. And that's where everyone had to go to like look at what people were playing. Um, having everything in long, even if it's smaller events, uh, running long shanks is just so easy. Uh, but having that record available to all the players, I think, is kind of worthwhile. The other thing that we did for Nova and um, my brother came up with this idea, Paul. Um, so we loaded all of our events into Longshanks before Nova. And then he printed out a QR code on a sheet of paper that we had at registration. So we had like all the Friday events. Here's the QR code for each of these steamrollers or tournaments. So by day. So as our players were checking in, all they had to do was scan that and they were able to, you know, quick load their lists, um, Ooh, which helped. That's a good idea. idea. So QR, yeah, QR codes at registration <laughs> are uh, very, very good. That was all Paul. Yeah. Never used long shanks before. I loved conflict chamber back in the day. Uh, you know, that, that was great. I'm creating my event. You know, you, you, uh, here's your code. If you, if you registered and put out your list and I'll print out all your lists for you and I'll show up with the list. That was amazing. I understand. we can't yep. more. I don't quite understand how long shanks works yet. They used it. I got you, w Seth. Yeah. They used it for you. WTC. And I uh, and Gil was like, don't worry, I'll just take care of, of Longshanks. And all weekend, people were walking up to me saying, hey, this was reported in Acre. Can you fix it? No, I can't. You can to me. Gil, he'll fix it for you. And then, um, and then uh, uh, someone, it, it was like a month after the event. And they're like, hey, this bit of information is still wrong. Can you change it? I'm like, are you serious? Like, Please, it's important. So. I actually, uh, uh, I was online with him trying to, because I was a, a, a co-host of that event, trying to figure out, I fix it for him eventually. And, and uh, so obviously I think long shanks is the way to go in the future. It, it's pretty easy to use. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty nice to use. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not loving it yet because I don't, I, I'm not 100%. Because you're old. Yeah, because I'm. I never miss an opportunity, Gonzo. And 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 the guy, um, <laughs> his you. username on Discord is Red Sam, but he is an amazing person to work with. And actually, he did a whole bunch of custom work for us for our MCP events for LVO. So you know, shout out to Red Sam and Longshanks because he is he is willing to help the community a lot. So that's good. Well, for Boker Brawl, I told Steve he could be in charge of Longshanks. Yep, I got you, Seth. All right, there, there, there we go. <laughs> 
Well, and you, and you, you can also do um, co-TOs on Longshanks too. So you can have a main person that's doing it, but then you can add a secondary person that has admin access to it. That's too. what we so, do. Yeah, so you can have two people manage it on the back end. Yeah. Uh, you know what? But I, I want to uh, go back to a point you made much, much earlier in the conversation. Uh, we are talking about how important it was to publish what it is that you're doing for the weekend. Uh, and one of the, the early uh, experiences we had with the Boca Brawl, um, you know, for, for the Boca Brawl, uh, for me and Steve, it, we always joke, it's like, hey, we're having a, a, a weekend get together with 150 of our closest friends who play War Machine, right? It's, it's kind of how, uh, how it feels. And, um, but what that causes sometimes is, you know, people walk up and say, oh, we know you have this planned for this event, but what if we did this instead? And I asked around that everybody wants to do this and this seems fine. You know, who wants to have it be this point level? Put your hand in the air. And, you know, and, and people mean well, right? I'm not trying to be critical of folks who do this, but, you know, you said you're going to run XYZ event. You have to run XYZ event. That's what yeah, that people signed up yes. for. That's what people yes. looked at. And I was talking to um, Norbert Brunhuber, uh, who now uh, plays MCP. He lives in England now. He used to be one of the, the, the great press gangers of our time. Uh, after, I think, the second or the third brawl, uh, I kind of called him to review what we had done. And he said, that's one of them. That, that's on my top five list of most important things a, a, a TO needs to do. You do the format that you say you're going to do because people on site can unintentionally bully the rest of the crowd to go along with them. People just want to play games, you know, and then you get the loudest people dictating what you're doing, especially at the end when it comes to things like tie breaks. How did you say this thing was being scored? You know, uh, is it, is it, are you going to use wins? Are you going to use this? Are you going to use that? Because, um, you know, people uh, can sometimes, it's very important to them that their friends score somewhere, et cetera. Uh, Tyson, you want to jump in there? Uh, on on tiebreaks, since you just brought it up, um, no matter what you do, um, on the tiebreaks you pick, try to pick tiebreaks that don't encourage better players farming newer players for points. Oh, yes. So I agree with that. Whatever, whatever yes. that may yeah. be, um, you know, be, you know, so it's more points given up versus total points scored. Um, that kind of stuff um, is just um, something to watch out for. Yeah. And I'm done. Well, I'll tell you, well, I, I appreciate how you raised your hand. You knew instinctively that I would call upon you because I'm an educator. <laughs> um, well, I, I'll tell you, and Steve, no, Gonzo, you put your hand down. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, Steve, I know you'll remember this. We had, uh, we had a event. It was a big event. It was a qualifier for something. And the players had finished their, the two top players had finished their game. And it was an ugly finish. and. Uh, the event was over, they stepped outside, and they decided between them that they would replay the last two minutes of the game because they both decided that for whatever reason, someone didn't play something right, the other person didn't do something right, and they were just going to replay the last two minutes. And they came back in and they said, this is what we're doing. And Steve and I were like, um, okay, I mean, I guess the players agree. And, it, it, and as you can imagine, it didn't end well. No one was happy. Right by the time that event was over, y'all, it's not that serious. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> sorry. Yeah, it, it, it's well, uh, because uh, I've so, go, go ahead. Go ahead. So my point is this: um, I think it's really important to have a deline delineated. Okay, yeah, you guys are the organizer, but person X is head judge, and they will make decisions and rules. You know, 
and rules decisions, but then someone also has to officially be the event organizer, right? In, because in that situation, what needed to happen was if the judge had said, uh, the head judge had said, okay, all right, you guys both agree, even though the game is over, you want to replay it, I'm okay with that. As the event organizer, I should have stepped up and said, no, you guys ended the game, you shook hands, the game is over, the integrity of the event is now on the line if you go back and replay something that ended, and I'm not comfortable with that. And because Steve and I, again, this was in the, in the first year or two of us doing this, didn't have that really codified between us, we kind of got steamrolled, no pun intended, by those players, right? And so if you're, you're thinking about creating a big event, don't be afraid to say, hey, these are the rules for our event. Sorry if people are upset about it. I- and it can, be, it can be very helpful to um, look at other documents, like any kind of like judge document that any big event puts out to look for corner cases to have like rules for and to put together, honestly, your own judge document, even, even though nobody ever reads them. Yep. You can put them online and nobody ever reads them. Um, but it's good to have things already out there where you say like, okay, look, like this is how it's going to happen. So that when these corner cases come up, there's something already in place that you could just fall back on. And it gives you firmer footing as a judge and EO to say, no, this is the way I'm doing it. And this is why. And also for your subjects, like, you know, here's our TO document, read this. This is how we handle all these situations. Yeah. And um, it gives you expectation and, and being very firm with players because there will be players we've had issues at LVO not issues but uh, instances uh, where you know things have gone wrong in games where we've ended the game and then they want to keep playing a game that's now in an invalid state uh, because someone had too many points on the board and it's way too far gone it's like no you guys are done this game doesn't exist anymore you know you forfeited like sorry like you know you have to be willing to be the bad guy sometimes just to keep um like you were saying, the integrity of the event, you know, where hey, we so don't hold, play hold favorites. That Eric has been trying to jump in. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, so just to, uh, um, or what Tyson just mentioned, I think some of that behavior, I don't, I, I haven't been privy to seeing that in person, definitely with this new addition towards the end of Mark three. And I don't know if that comes from a longstanding reputation that War Machine used to have. Right. So, uh, not to beat around the bush, but, um, we know that this this game and when we talk about that high level competitive play, there was a, a negative um, connotation that came with that that turned a lot of people away from the game. Um, so I think us as a community recognize that. And I think we've been really trying to uh, rectify that and really pushing for, um, you know, being a positive play experience and a community and player before the game. Uh, I think somebody also talked um mentioned something earlier about not having uh with your tiebreakers right not having higher level players um uh, what do they call it clubbing seals i yeah. think Farming. yeah so <laughs> um so here's a general question for uh the forum uh with using long shanks as a tool you can rate your tournaments with a rated tournament comes um a rating score or like an elo right what are your thoughts do you think this would be popular or not uh, putting rating caps on certain tournaments um, to eliminate okay. some of that um, player so, farming. So, so, so I'll jump in on this one. So while this has been a, this was a controversy a lot for us back in here in Michigan, because we had a lot of big players here in Michigan, um, JVM, Chuck Ellswick, um, you know, the, 
that's what we call the four horsemen back in the day. Um, and while it can feel kind of an uphill battle, um, fighting some some players or some people's abilities looking at Chuck's dice. Um, I don't think that's something that should be a thing because some some high level players can play at a level that's um, equivalent. I wouldn't say equivalent. I would say they know how to pull punches and not feel like it's an abusive play. They play on the same level. You know, it's a fun game, enjoyable for both sides, where it's not like, you know, I have this person who's beaming down on me and I'm not having fun. You know, we're both having an enjoyable game. And even after the game, we can talk about things that could be better. You know, it's a learning experience. I, I feel like I'm playing against someone who's teaching me to be better at the game, not someone who's here to just beat up on me because I'm not as good as he is. Um, so with um, the rankings that have come up with Long Shanks, and we've dealt with some of it with um, like an MCP community, whereas it's kind of like a fun little thing that happens. But as far as like pairings go or anything that actually happens in real life, like we just don't care. And I think it's um, beholden on like we still do like all the official events are still ranked events because why not? Because who cares? Because it's fun. Uh, but incentivizing people says like this number doesn't matter. Uh, we don't do pairings like in rankings, you no know, quote unquote rankings on Longshanks don't affect pairings at all. Uh, they affect zero in real life, except for a little thing of bragging rights like, hey, I'm top five in, you know, shield. Uh, but outside of that, um, you know, making sure something's ranked or not, I think we kind of ignore that and pretend because getting into that whole ELL um, E-Pen kind of thing um, is usually just ends up being toxic and not helpful at the scale we play games because we don't have millions of Magic players where, you know, that really matters. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, going back when Eric was talking about not seeing that thing, back in the Mark II, Mark, early Mark III days, there was a lot of bullying about, you know, changing up and making sure to do things to this particular group of people. Uh, like, I'm going to change this event just to fit this group of people because I want them to show up. Or, <clears throat> and especially after people have paid for the event, too. Um, it is an issue. I, we always tell people, you need to make sure that you're solidified minimum two weeks before the event. If it's a small one, uh, it's a big one, months. Because people have to buy hotel rooms, travel, you know, vacation. You need it's to have real that money. City. Yeah, real, real yeah. money. It's not like me going to the store and spending 10 bucks. I'm going to the convention and spending a grand. So I don't want to be book the tournament. I'm going to be playing at 75. And then a month before the tournament, I'm playing. We're playing at 150. Like, um, guys, that's a problem. I don't have 150 painted up. I don't have 150 points worth of models. Uh, and that's happened before, but um, but there's been previously, like I said, Eric has been lately, it's been like, hey, I just want to play. I just want to throw some dice down and make some cool sound effects and be goofy and pretty people. Pretty, pretty much everybody's been pretty relaxed about that. Yeah, but you know, the, the, the hobby is growing again, certainly. 100%. Turning uh, players, new players, hobby is growing. So we want to keep the integrity of everything we just talked about being positive and great. And I think one of the ways you do that is you call it out, right? You say, hey, uh, you know, this is something that we want to, uh, that's really special about our hobby. We want to, you know, keep it that way. So we talk about, talk about doing that. And, and it's funny because everything we're talking about, I just keep thinking, well, you know, hey, if enough players sign up ahead of time, then everyone knows what the point system is. If everyone signs up ahead of time, we know how much food to have there. If everyone knows signs up ahead of time. And I, I keep coming back to that idea. 
So I think we should, like, at the end of every one of these little segments where we're saying, this is what you should do if, uh, uh, you know, you want to run an event. I always, I, I think we should just keep throwing out there. And players, please, if you think you're going to go, uh, you know, make sure you sign up. Don't wait for that last second. I think that's really important. Yeah, um, the, the, bi- the biggest thing you can else. Yeah, the biggest thing you can do is like if you care, not saying you don't care about your TOs, but like if you care about the people organizing the events or if you actually if you want to support the people organizing these events, um, the best thing you could do is buy your tickets early. Yeah, yes. 100%. So uh, odd question. So how, how much of an I, I don't want to use the word issue, but how often do you guys get contacted about, hey, I've got a proxy model I want to use. Hey, I don't want to use this privateer model. I want to use this model. You guys have a lot of experience with that? So, with official yes, tournaments? Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, Erica, why don't you jump in? I'll jump in first. Oh, thanks. Um, so if it's like a like for a local thing, um, our rule is if it's in the app, you can use it because not all the models are available for everybody. There might be um, like travel kind of situation. Yeah, it's not available. You can't get it. But we don't want to penalize people who want to play their, you know, their models um, that just don't physically have them. I think for uh, larger tournaments, um, like uh, a qualifier or at a convention, if it's, I think if it's like like a PP sanctioned event, there's obviously criteria that we have to, um, you know, abide by. There's not a lot of wiggle room when it comes to that. Um, so I would have to you know, review and look at the steamroller document and hopefully use my best judgment um, on on making that call. Uh, but ultimately, if I'm going in there, I don't want to penalize somebody who doesn't have access to this thing that is out to the public. Um, for me, for, for me personally, it's uh, first, if, if it's a small local event, um, I'm pretty lax. Like we're all usually here having fun doing a fun, you know, casual event, you know, let's all have fun. I'm not going to penalize anyone unless you're doing something ridiculously crazy. Um, if it's something for a, like a steamroller event, not saying like a convention, or even not, something even for my conventions, if someone who's flown in and crap, they forgot this one small model, you know, I'll communicate with the group, you know, we'll make it work. Cause you know, it sucks. You know, you flew here for, flew or drove here for six hours and this one little model you forgot, now you can't feel like you can't play your list. If it's something that we can make happen, we'll, we'll do our best to make, make happen. Um, but outside of that, um, I'm pretty firm on, you know, you know, take it or leave it. If you have it, you don't. Or if it fix, it abides by the proxy rules um, that we have available, you know, it's, you know, 50% of PP products, you know, as the weapons it needs, you know, from a distance, I can tell what that model is representing. Yes. I mean, I can't play Old Witch 2 as Old Witch 1? No. Or wait a minute, I mean, I, can I play Old Witch 3 as Old Witch 1? I want to, she came out, I didn't want to buy that model. I was like, can I just put Old Witch 1 on a 120 millimeter base and just roll with it? You just roll with it? Just yeah, it just down. put her on Scrapjack on a 120 and let's go. Yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> One time I had a, a, a group drive up from Florida for the brawl. And the dude, and, and this was an event where the lists were all turned in ahead of time. Like we had list lock. And, uh. The guy, you know, unpacks his bag and is like, I left a model sitting on the counter in my kitchen. Yep. It was like, and it wasn't like a solo. It was like a, a big marquee kind of model. Or, or he brought the wrong one. Like it was a, maybe it was a, a, a gargantuan and he brought the wrong troll gargantuan, whichever one it was, right? And I'm like, okay, if you, you drove up here for 24 hours, it's, it's, you know, we can't find a replacement. 
you know, we tried to find a, you know, someone who had one locally. And I'm like, look, you, you, you put the list out ahead of time. Everyone knows what to expect in that list. Just play that model, man. Put put yeah. a hat, put a paper hat on it with its new right. name on it, you know, right, and right. like you know, make it really obvious. And that's what I was going to say before is like you know, some people have some cool uh, proxies or con- not proxies, but conversions. You know, they're yeah. sometimes indistinct. It's like, is that Gorshade one, two, you know, or four? Like, which one's that? Uh, and then, but you know, you just like, hey, here's a silver sharpie. Just write it on the front of your base for this event. Yeah. You know, make it yeah. really clear because that's a big thing where people uh, will be like. Because uh, players, especially players that play a lot, um, have kind of that object. You know, I, I see a model and I know what its stats are. And if yep. you're getting kind of murky with the stats, or sorry, murky with the model, or doing slight conversions from one version to another, um, so you have this really cool model. But I'm like, what is that? I don't recognize that. And it's and you and you just kind of brain lock. You know, you'll vapor lock. And just having the name on the front just solves all that problem. That's good. I, I, I think also one difference also comes up to like if you're prox if you have conversions of like a model in your list that's one thing but if your entire army is a conversion um and now you're trying to figure out you know what model is what model because oh, they gosh, all look yeah. different you know like and I've seen some people do some cool stuff don't get me wrong I'm like for a local thing that's super cool absolutely play it. we all love how you do your cool stuff however when it comes to an official event if I can't tell what this model is from this because the arms all look the same but yet they're all different supposed to be different weapons no way. I I did have a player once, uh, and this was, a, I think, a Captain Con. They had a giant pickle Rick on a 120-millimeter base. <laughs> but then they had the actual model. And they said, and they would say to the other guy, I want to use pickle Rick, but I can use the real model if you want me to. Uh, what What are you comfortable with? Everyone wanted to play against pickle Rick. Right. Yeah, so, if it's one model, that that that's cool. But like, but he, just had, it, like right, cool. he had the real model. So if anyone yeah. said, "Hey, you know what? That's kind of uh, throwing me off." He put the real model down, and I thought that was a really good way to approach it. Also, the pickle. Sure. All right. So I think we have hit upon really just about everything we wanted to talk about uh, as organizers. The organizing experience. Um, you know, the the last thing I, I wanted to briefly mention. Uh, and Tyson had brought this up a little bit before, you know, the, the, the EO, the TO, the judge on the floor, sometimes, right, you have to play bad guy. Uh, and we've mm-hmm. all experienced that. But I would also say, and I don't think this is an issue for anybody in this, uh, in this chat, but you also shouldn't be looking for reasons to be the bad guy, right? Like, no. like the, the, the dreaded double elimination because the clocks are over five minutes, right? There is, honestly, it is terrible when you have a double loss. It's terrible for, the record keeping and both players don't feel bad, but at the same time, if you guys stopped your game in the middle and stopped, went and got a beer, right? You know, you're not leaving the organizers any choice. So you yeah. should be looking for reasons to be the bad guy. But if you're going to force the the, the EOTO uh, judge to be the bad guy, they're going to have to be it. And and part of that, not to like blame TOs, but you know, hopefully it never gets to that point. You know, so being cognizant and aware of your event and what's going on in your event and just like cruising you know so you'll see not that we'd ever do that but you'll go to an event or something and like the to just sits at their desk the whole time and like or is talking to their buddy and they're not paying attention to the event so paying you know active attention to your event like walking Walking the tables you know and and that's what's really nice about again with long shanks is having live standings in your hand and be able to report tables like so those last players you know that are down to the down to the wire and you want to flip the round really fast you can be there on your phone recording the game 
as you know they're doing it at the table and you can hit go and the next round's up and you don't have to wait for them like we used to have in the old days you know where they'd walk their paper up and then we'd have to all enter it and you know then they go back and dealing with all that kind of mess um, but being an active participant in your events and making sure um like you said you know that like oh look these clocks are paused and there's a whole bunch of time on there but where's the players like what the, what the fuck's going on here what, yeah. what, come on guys you know and figuring and figuring that out before it's a problem yeah. um not to saying that that stuff still can't happen but being very active in your judging um general or you know active participant in your event uh helps mitigate a lot of those problems and also the players feel like you care more yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I agree. Also, and, and you you could also you can also just warn people right like you've got a multi-round event hey guys listen your your x number of minutes over finish out this game you find yourself in this position again it's going to be a double loss, let you guys know, right? And, yep. and I've never, I've never had to warn someone more than once. Like, it, it, like literally, never. I said, okay, this is the problem you created. Don't create this problem again. They've never created that problem again. So I would yep. argue that the warning system works rather well. I've had to, I've had to disqualify a couple of players <laughs> after multiple warnings before. Um, but no, but communicating with your players is, is huge. Like you know that initial judge talk you have. You know, hey guys, you know, communicate with each other to make sure. And that's, that's also one thing to remind them hey guys, you guys can talk to each other. You know, before an event starts, make sure everyone understands what terrain is, what this is. Oh, if you yeah. guys have a misunderstanding, let me know. I'm not here to pick on anyone. I am going to tell you how this is so everyone is on the same page. So everyone, so there's no confusion. Okay. And if you guys have a question, please, again, just communication is huge, both to each other and to me. That way, everyone's on the same page. There's no issues, which also helps with their clock discipline. You know, people aren't trying to figure out what is this actually supposed to be? Is this actually too close at this point? Now that you guys are three rounds in, you know, all these things, you know, they make sure things are as they should be round after round, turn after turn, just communication for players to player, or if players need to put your hand up, call your judge. Ask me what you guys need to know before the and, match. And starts. leave your hand up when you yell judge because there's like a hundred of you out there. Yeah. <laughs> it takes yeah. a second. <laughs> like you look up, you hear judge, you look up and you're like, I, I there's, there's no hands. But what? Yeah, everyone's <laughs> pointing. I'm like, who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else anybody wants to mention, talk about what, what uh, you, you expect from players, what players should expect from you? Any any little tidbit? Um. Going back to the one about talking about tables, with us really pushing 3D terrain and a lot of 3D terrain on the table, it is very important that both of you talk about what is that piece of terrain yeah, before you start. Because you could say, hey, that looks like a hill, and it goes, well, I think that's rough terrain. And then if you can't decide on it, then you call a judge. And in the era of we're using 3D terrain and a lot of people still aren't used to it, you need to start talking about that way ahead before you before any dice are rolled, before anybody sits around and does anything needs to be talked about and and also um with the way the rules work buildings and other terrain general well actually we do have it forests are kind of infinite high but regardless but like physical objects like they have a height and a lot of players shortcut it and they say this building is infinite tall and they're used to playing that way whereas those rule actually remind it counter me if this is different in mark four but as i remember those rules don't actually exist in the game for buildings like that building is five inches tall and all our stuff has volumes and everything has a line of sight, you know, depending on the pitch of that roof and all the mess of the geometry and 
Um, you need to make sure you talk to your player um, that you're playing against about how you're handling these objects and just don't assume uh, because quite often um, in the past at LVO, like I had these little like poop rubble piles, you know, that weren't big enough to block line of sight, but like they were a 3D object and we were playing actual war machine rules and they block line of sight like they do with volume. Um, and if you want to short circuit that as players at the table, like I'm not going to stop you, but make sure you talk to your opponent about how volume line of sight is working on this table. You know, something I'm, I'm hoping to do uh, as, as I print out more and more 3D terrain and get everything into at least uniform, uh, uniform state, the WTC always had that terrain document. Every piece of terrain they used was on a document explaining what it was, and I always thought that was brilliant. We did that one or two years for the Boker Brawl, but then um, we had such a variety of terrain, we, we weren't really able to do that reasonably. Uh, but I think now with the, uh, the, the the 3D printing we've got going on, we'll be able to go back to that. Uh, but I think it's worth every TO's time to just pick stuff up off the table and say, okay, this is a house, it's an obstruction, it's not habitable, you know, just, yep. uh, so, so everyone's aware. Because I, I, this may be, uh, I don't know, overly administrator of me. But everyone's no, it's worth to, it. Is everyone supposed yeah. to play the same game, right? And, and someone should yep. be playing a hill as rubble and rubble is a hill. That's a hill, everybody. Play that as a hill. Right? Yep. So, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, doing, um, doing show and tell before an event with all your terrain, even if it's really obvious, um, it eliminates the vast majority of arguments. Yeah. Um, one thing I will bring up um, that I usually always ask in a big convention event, um, does anyone have any judge rulings that they are trying to figure out? Because, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, a, you know rulings for things um, in the community hub or on Facebook. And sometimes they haven't got responses yet. And, you know, sometimes it makes it back to your event because this new model just came out with these rules. And people are like, well, there's no official ruling. How are you going to rule it? Just to just knock it out then and there. Yeah. yeah. And, and if there's multiple on that, uh, if there's multiple options, like um, I think, oh, gosh, what was it five years ago now at this point? Uh, but Siege 2 just come out before LVO. And they hadn't ruled on exactly how his um, jump worked and what the oh, time yeah. was on it. And... Uh, so choosing the least powerful option that you have available to you, and he still won, which is fine, but it, it helps in, uh, maintain the integrity of your event in the sense that like, oh, they ruled that they made that, they, you know, their ruling that they picked for that made that model too powerful um, when they had an option of a less powerful ruling is, uh, so recommending picking a less powerful ruling temporarily for that event is always helpful. Yeah, and then, you know, I had, I had that situation at WTC this year. And what I basically did was, okay, rules is written. This is what we think this says. And this is, this seems reasonable. This is what we're going with. And, you know, it turned out later that uh, I found out at Warfare Weekend after talking to some folks that, well, okay, that is what the rule says, but this is what the intention is, right? So I think until Mark IV really shakes out and and they get a really good handle on revising these rules and, and, and tightening up wording, organizers and judges are just going to have to do a lot of that. And and I think that's really good advice. How to you know how to if there's no ruling on something, what's going to be the, the most fair to everyone and conforms to the rules? And this is how we're playing it. I think that's good. Yeah. Um, and something I will bring up for everyone here. Um, you know, I have to mess around with the the play test rules for the new steamroller. Um, whenever that comes out, hopefully soon. Um, is making sure that because now that we have scenario pieces that move, um, and things that kind of modulate throughout the game. Make sure players understand to 
you know, we talk about this when moving models, but even more so when now moving um, scenario and objective pieces. Make sure everyone understands the intent of what you are doing on the table. This is important because we don't want to come back. Attorney later says, oh, I really meant that. No, no, no. What is the intent? Once you are done moving this and your fingers off and it's locked in, done. Make sure we have this communication set so everyone's on the same page. Yep. Talk communication your is key. Yeah. Communication yep. is key with your opponent before you even start doing anything. I, this is what I plan on doing. I'm going to see if I can do it. Oh, crap. I can't do it. Okay. No problem. Yeah. Just make sure you communicate with each other a lot. Yes. It's a game. So we've been at this for a while now. Uh, you know, I think maybe we should just kind of bring it to if anyone has any closing thoughts they want to share before we sign off. I, I have a um, suggestion maybe as we go around the horn. Um, so for all of us who are hosting uh, events coming up in 2024, maybe just a quick little, uh, little pitch of when your, your tickets go on sale. So Erica, what are you hosting in 2024? <laughs> when do your tickets go on sale? <laughs> so uh, Delaware War Machine, we will be hosting Nova Open in Washington, D.C. Labor Day weekend 2024. Tickets go on sale March 1st. We are sharing the same game space as um, some GW games. And we will be competing for table space in there. Table space is um, contingent on those early ticket sales. So I think we've hit that a couple of times. If you are planning to go to the Nova Open, which is going to be really awesome this year, you guys, or uh, next year, um, please, please get your tickets early. Uh, again, we are, um, we're not the biggest fish in, in the water in there. And it, um, the more tickets we can sell, the more tables that we can secure. Uh, Seth, thank you so much for hosting. It was really good seeing all you guys. And I uh, <laughs> hope you have a happy new year. All right. Happy new year to you. That was so You should have last. That was so <laughs> <laughs> she puts us all to shame. She does. Right? Tyson, Tyson, what do you got going on, my friend? Oh, gosh. Uh, LVO is coming up in three weeks on January 18th. I think that's three weeks. I don't know. It's 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 going to be all a blur until Certainly then. close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, currently, tickets are sold out. Um, somewhat of what prompted a little bit of this conversation was, um, you know, we had a lot of people that wanted to come. And again, you know, with LVO and similar to Adepticon and other events where we're at table, where we're competing for space, uh, we use every single table that Caesars Entertainment has. So there, once those fill up, there are no more tables to add. Um, and as events fill up, they will gobble up space from other events next to them. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to add a few more tickets. We'll see once they get their final layout. Um, and then those people will be notified um, when they do the notify me on the tickets page um, at frontlinegaming.com org.net something like that uh <laughs> i forget what frontline gaming's website is uh i know it's not dot com though uh and then uh oh, no, right now, thank you yeah exactly that'll get right. type, type in las vegas open frontline gaming you'll get there uh, and then we have what's coming up after that i have a few more events coming locally on the west coast but i think they're all smaller events but that's the big one all right hey zeke what about you my friend what do you have happening all right. Well, um, we of the uh, Minority Report, as we do every year, are hosting the Siege Invitational uh, over there, Tennessee, hanging out with uh, Terrence and Damon. Um, biggest thing, it's a very local of events, well, home feeling event. You know, we go over to Terrence for Friday for some good old barbecue. I know Seth can attest to that. Um, everyone has. It's fantastic. Everyone loves the food. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we throw down for some games and still just have fun and eat all the food that we've been eating all weekend. It's it's fantastically great food. Um, so if you love to eat, come out for that. Want to play some games? Come out for that too. 
you know, it is a great talk- event. If you can go, you should go. <laughs> yeah, we we just talk shop all night and just have fun and laugh the entire time. It's it's a great home feeling because um, we just love our community and we just you know want to work together with us. Um, but right now we that is currently set for um, July the weekend of July twentieth to the twenty first. Um, twenty it's forty dollars for the whole weekend. If you aren't interested in playing any games and just want to join us for food um, for Friday, 20 bucks for that. And then outside of that, um, no official dates yet, but the Michigan GT um, in Lansing, Michigan, we will be hosting that. If I remember correctly, we're still pushing for October. Um, So once more information for that comes out, I will be pushing that huge this year. Um, We've been having a bit smaller turnouts for the last couple of years, and I want to make this year a much bigger resurgence. All right, let's hope so. Gonzo, what? possibly could you be doing with your time sir um right now relaxing but um <laughs> of course we have the warfare we have warfare weekend coming up um which is going to be uh november 1st 2nd and 3rd um and um i, I mean we don't we don't know when ticket sales are going to go on but we know that they're at least probably going to be about three to four months before that um of course we'll have the lcq which is also a qualifier for the next year so it encourages people to play more, which was a really good turnout for that this year. A lot of people enjoyed that. Even though they lost, they knew that they could still get points for the next qualifying event. Oh, uh, of course, Iron, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we have the Iron Gauntlet uh, finals, but we also have all the other smaller events, uh, a lot of narratives. Uh, Zeke, do you want to spoil some of the things that um, you have planning that is going to be coming out, the, the kind of the fun tournaments that you want to push? Oh, man, we have, like, so much I'm planning to do. I mean, we, we had a few a few test ones this year. Um, I mean, we're we're probably be bringing back into the the randomized team event again. Um, I know there's going to be another narrative event being pushed through. I want to push a hardcore event, but that's just me. Um, back to the old classic days of the old. Um, but I think five, everyone's five minute round three, timers. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hey, oh, look, nice. those are funds. Um, play it, paint it. So um, this was the old uh, hunger for format where essentially you take a set amount of points, you have a set amount of hours to get it all painted up and then throw it down for. Uh, oh, I did that one year. Months. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, paint, I painted a, a, a convergence army. For yeah, oh, that's right. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, think about bringing that back. So that I think, sounds, I think that sounds amazing. I'm planning on joining again this year. Uh, um. We also have what, um, Mango Mellow Tooth and Claw. Yep. All right. Bringing that, bringing that back, and there was one other format that you wanted to bring back. Can't remember what it was, but those I are a few things. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Of course, all all the other stuff. So we got that coming up. Mr. Rabideau, I'm going to put you on the spot. When do tickets go on sale for the Boker Brawl? Do they go on sale February 15th? Oh, I got to update the Discord information. Yeah, I already got my hotel, you guys. And the event is <laughs> April 26th. Yeah, April 26th. And what, what events are we holding over the course of the weekend, sir? Let's see. We've got the Big Bass Brawl. The Boker Big Bass Brawl, sir. That, that goes without saying. It's the best Boker No, no, no. no. You got to say the whole I'm thing. Saying. You got to say the whole damn thing. <laughs> I just can't find I just got to keep adding words to it. Anytime Absolutely. there's a B word, add it. Um. And someday, someday, not this year, but someday, that will be the total war or whatever, where you start bringing like three huge bases for free or something. Just oh. like ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> it's okay the biggest this. boker. The old school ball. unbound. Yeah, just <laughs> yes. Unbound. The best thing about that event is the top sixteen walk away with a huge base prize. We've got the uh, we've got the IG qualifier on Friday as well. 
We're going to have a narrative event uh, called A Bridge Too Far running all weekend long. We're trying to, to plan a, a second quasi-narrative, sort of a solo run table. More about that later once we can get it off the ground. We've got the team event. And very important, folks, tickets go on sale February 15th. Please, please, please register as early as you can. We have to form teams. People always contact me and say, hey, I'd really like to come, but I need a team. If you know you're coming, you don't have a team, reach out. We'll, we'll set you up. But if you don't reach out, I can't set you up. We have to order food. We have to uh, uh, all sorts of stuff. So it, it'll help everybody who's a part of this little broadcast tonight. If you, 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 you make sure to order those tickets and, and you know commit as quick as you can to going. All I'm right. Thanks, guys. I, I need to petition for something. You yeah. have to put the word bodacious in the book or big brace brawl somewhere in there. <laughs> Beautiful bodacious boker brawl. <laughs> big face boker brawl. Big face. Bootylicious. Let's put bootylicious in there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm sure that the board members at, at my school district would love to hear them involved in something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's not so if you're coming if you're coming to the big base brawl and you have a team and you name you name it. With something all starting with bees, legally, Seth cannot stop you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, He's correct. Always looking out for me, my partner in crime. Thank you so much. All right, guys. <laughs> Happy New Year to everybody. And thanks so much for joining us on this special report.